Kia ora, time for our Monday expert segment, and today we're talking about leather, a magnificent multi-purpose material that's been in use for an estimated 7,000 years. It is elegant and durable and flexible and sustainable. It insulates, it's water-resistant, and has all manner of applications from clothing to footwear to handbags, belts, furniture, tools, and even sports equipment. And to answer all your questions about leather today, we're joined by Jeff Holmes. He's coming to us live from Manawatu, from LASRA, the Leather and Shoe Research Association of New Zealand. Hi there, Jeff. Hi, Jesse. It's good to hear from you. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Yeah, really looking forward to talking to you. And um, as you can probably guess, I've been getting some very interesting questions from our listeners. Yeah, some really well, quite uh, challenging questions, but hopefully we can work through them and get some answers for them. But uh, yeah, it's great to hear there's so much interest in the product. I've got uh, I've got a list of my own questions as well, but I just want to I just want to start straight away with one from Hans because I love this text. It says Jesse, I still have my father's old lederhosen. They are hard and dry. How can I rejuvenate them? You ever spend any time rejuvenating lederhosen, Jeff? Um, yeah, not, it's not the, I can't say it's something I've spent a lot of time on, but, um, I've got a little bit of experience on it. I used to work in South Germany and every now and then, every year we'd get them just before the Munich beer festivals coming in. Um, there are some fats, special oils that are used in leather to rejuvenate those materials. So, uh, yeah, it, it's possible to get your lederhosen back looking smooth and sleek like they were to start with but <laughs> classically the bavarians would never wash them that's their you know their rite of passage is to wear them for uh for when they first get them till they uh yeah i guess they stop drinking beer so so where would the um where would he begin with those knickerbockers um well there what's the start of the process um yeah well i guess the the animal's hide is the first place you're getting it from usually deer skin and New Zealand has the largest uh, domesticated population of deer in the world, so a lot of deer skin that you see in lederhosen will come from New Zealand. Gosh, but but um, for Hans, for these uh, these hard dry knickerbockers, how where should he begin to get them uh, match fit again? Yeah, I guess if you get them get them wet, put them into um into a bucket with some warm water, and you need some special fats and oils that are used in the leather industry. To do that, it might be a little bit too technical. So um, another option is just to go and look on the shelves of the, um, you go to uh, various short stalls around, they'll have um, things for rejuvenating leather. You'll find conditioners and protectors and things like this around. And they contain special oils that can be used and they can be impregnated into the material. And then you just have to put it in the um, washing machine without any, Water in there and a couple of old trainers and mm. bash it around, and that that should get them softer. Wow, fascinating! But, um, yeah, so there you go. But uh, yeah, really, what's happened is all the natural oils and all the oils that were put in there by the tanner have leached out of the material, and yeah, it becomes hard. So that's what happens to leather when it dries out. What is leather, Jeff? Leather. Well, I mean, everyone's heard of leather and. What what is the material? Um, if you think of wool, wool is mainly the uh, keratin, which is the protein keratin, and in the case of leather, it's the protein collagen. So, you might think of collagen drinks and gummy bears as a uh, gelatin and that type of thing. But in its 
original form, it's, um, it's what makes leather. The skin is made of collagen. So it's the skin of an animal. and, and Yeah, the skin of the animal, yeah. So that's right. So how do you, you turn know, it from the skin of an animal into, a, into um, leather, which you can make something out of? Yeah, so leather is really a kind of the fabric that you make from uh, animal skin. And if you start with an animal, you may want to remove the hair or the wool from it. And so there's special processes for doing that. And then we dye and cut, well, we first have to stabilize the material. So leather is the process of converting something that will rot into something that will not. So we tan the material, stabilize this cross-link all that collagen that I was talking about, make it nice and stable so that it doesn't shrink and doesn't go putrid. And um, so that's the process of making leather. And then you want to make it the most beautiful color you you know for whatever fashion or application demands. It might be black, it might be brown, or it might be a very colorful. And then, as I mentioned, those fats that are used to make it soft. And that's kind of the main processes for making leather. Um, but there are a few others involved and in, in getting it to look just like you want. Because um, leather's got so many different applications, of course. Yeah, um, boots is one of them. And Al says he uses a mix of beeswax and olive oil on his boots, the olive oil to help soften the wax. Is that good, or are there better preparations on the market, he asks, Jeff. Yeah, beeswax is a really good thing to put on your boots because it's nice, it uh, sort of co- covers all little scratches and marks and makes them nice and clean and new again. And the olive oil, the oil will just help to soften that beeswax, which is quite hard and can tend to go white in the cracks when you in the flex lines. Um, so you could, to avoid that, you can use an oil or something of that nature. So that's a good start point. There's many proprietary materials out there specifically designed for leather. Um, so if you go to any of the hiking stores or somewhere, they would have some suggestions as well. Uh, dubbing was used in the old days, but we don't prefer to use it because it can rot stitching. Um, so there are other things you can try. Neats for oil might work too if you want to make the leather soft. But yeah, there's lots of options there you could try. What was your pathway into the world of leather, of leather Jeff? Um, yeah, I've been yeah, 30, 35, 36 years in the leather industry, so quite a long time, I guess. And um, I came from university and I went to look at a plant to find out more about it. And I, I just got fascinated by all the machinery and the, what they were doing, all the intricate jobs, making the leather thinner and making it soft and all that type of thing. So I, I'd always had a fascination for manufacturing, so it was a really interesting area. Um, I was looking for a job and um, they offered me, uh, very luckily, a position at that company. So, uh, yeah, I started out um, just uh, straight from university, really, not knowing too much about how you made materials and learnt on the job, really. I understand you impressed them in the job interview by actually picking the leather up. Yeah, I didn't realise at the time that they had a little uh, little in inside a thing where if you they didn't ask you to but if you didn't pick up the leather as you walked around and ask a few questions they basically wouldn't employ you Mm because you didn't obviously show that interest but leather is an incredibly tactile material and the tannery where i first worked was making very small skin hair sheep all came from ethiopia actually um, into gloving leather so mostly uh, golf gloves so anyone who wears a golf glove will know it's a very thin 
and tactile glove. It's you know very important for part of the grip of the shaft of the club. And um, that was where I worked for the first five, six years, just making leathers. And we made, I mean, I don't know if anyone knows square feet, but uh, we were making 350 to 500,000 square feet of that leather a week um, uh, for the golf glove market. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay, some more questions coming in. Uh, stand by. Um, how do I get paint off a leather bag? says Donna. Can I make a homemade mix? Uh, I guess that's a separate question. Yes. How to get things off leather, um, please, Jeff. Yeah, so it depends on the nature of the leather, of course. If it's um, a new book or a suede leather, it can be quite hard to remove because the paint or whatever the material may have gone into the material into the leather and it could be quite hard to remove that and you've got to be very careful because some of these solvents you might think of using like turpentine or whatever could actually damage the product itself so you've got to be a bit careful what you use um, and it depends on the nature of the uh, stain or whatever ink there are special products out on the market for removing ink stains um, and if the leather is finished, so if it's got a, a coating on the surface, you might stand a better chance than if it's um, a very delicate leather, um, which would be a bit thinner and possibly likely to damage when you do it. You've got to be very, very careful. Um, it's by individual. Uh, you know, you'd have to see what the what the damage looks mm. like before you try. It may be too late. That's the only problem. Um, because the remedi- remedy may actually damage it more. So yes. Now, that. that's happened at my house, Jeff. One of the kids got some biro on our leather couch, and so um, unthinkingly I had a go at it with a, a magic eraser and uh, actually rubbed, rubbed the leather itself. Um, it caused quite a bit yeah. of damage there. Can you touch something like that up? Yep, you can go to, there's a, uh, generally restorers are really good at being able to restore leather. They may have to replace the panel or they may just be able to colour the panel and put some fresh dye on there and bring it back to how it was originally. So you'd be surprised how how it's possible to do that. And leather itself is a very tough material as a fabric, but you know the colours and the dyes and everything used on the surface might be a challenge. So yeah, just go talk to an expert. Dr. Leather or one of those type of guys who can give you the best advice. Does, um, does New Zealand leather, leather have a great reputation? Yeah, we're, we've been around for a very long time. So this um, institute was started in Wellington in 1928. Gosh. Um, and said and stable. So um, he, he, the Prime Minister at the time, had uh, donated his stable. So that, that's how we started. And then we moved up to Palmerston North here in 1972 to three, I think it was. Uh, so we've been around for a very long time, and our purpose is really to support the hide and skin processing industry of New Zealand. So our members are all engaged in mostly meat processing, but also in specialised leather manufacture, and they engage with us to do research and do training and also to do um, chemical testing. So those are the kind of three areas that we cover in our sort of expertise or areas of expertise. And we've got about, I think, 16 of us on site. Uh, I'd say half the staff have got PhDs. Um, Hmm. So it's very technical. And we're very close to Massey University, so we've always had really good contact with Massey, um, doing research with them, currently doing some work on self-shedding sheep with them and a little bit of other stuff to do with 
using the skins and hides to make uh, lovely collagen. Should a vegetarian avoid leather? Um, I would say no. Um, and I can remember many years ago, a lecturer that I had was vegan, and he talked about how the only thing he couldn't give up was his leather shoes. Yeah. So the purpose is that the leather shoe might last for a long time. And so whatever you replace it with, is it going to last as long? Um, of course, if you're vegan, then your belief is that animals shouldn't be um, kept behind um, fences. So it's a very strong belief, and I respect that. Um, there's no issue around that. For vegetarians, they may have the same view. Um, all I can say is no animal will ever be killed for its skin. Um, they're just it's a byproduct of that of that process of many, of meat, and so um, we might as well make use of them. And it's such a versatile and uh, long-lasting material, so you know that's great. But yeah, I mean, I would say yes, but I'm biased, of course. <laughs> Don, Don, um, yeah. Sorry, finish that thought. No, no, no. It's, it's just all I would say. I mean, really, it's um, it's down to the individual to yeah, decide, cool. and there should be a selection of options on the market, and marketing should be transparent. We shouldn't be talking about materials being better than other materials when they don't last as long or they don't give the same performance. You know, be, be realistic about what your expectations will be um, and put on a level playing field, and that's all. Um, leather, to me, you know, anyone who's had leather items, you know that they become part of you, you know, your favorite leather bag, your favorite leather shoes, um, dependable and, um, you know, give you that... Uh, performance really over a long time and change in their shape and colour as you use them. Thank you. Adrian wants to know why doesn't New Zealand produce lovely soft leather for shoes and bags like the Spanish or Italians? Um, Well, all I can say to him is that um, where do the hides and skins of New Zealand end up? So um, most of the cattle hide that's processed here, part processed here, ends up going to Italy. Um, It's actually New Zealand's number one export to Italy is hides so they're all being converted into beautiful leather shoes there there's not perhaps so much expertise here to make the final product or you know italy of course is the ultimate market for making high quality product the good thing is that new zealand hides because of the way animals are raised here are generally of a very high quality and very very well regarded worldwide so that's a really good reason for why they end up in italy um, skins, it's been a little bit of an issue around skins, not that their quality is any worse, but there's a bit of a flood in the market. There's not so much demand for clothing, leather clothing as there was. So that's a little bit of a tougher market. But yeah, he's absolutely right. You go to Europe, you find leather shoes, jackets, uh, bags everywhere. Everyone's using them. We were over in Italy last earlier this year, my family, myself, and we were impressed by all the fancy leather garments and stuff, and the <laughs> kids were just drooling over the over the bags in the shop. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you find yourself checking out people's shoes and belts and and jackets in day to day life? Yeah, a little bit. I get asked as well, but what I tend to do, which is a bit weird, is I'll go and look in the when my wife's going to buy her shoes, I'll go look at all the women's shoes, and that <laughs> is a bit weird. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but, and I'll try to get her to try on more than one pair so that we can get a nice pair. You know, so people looking at me, why, why are you worried about it? That's the right <laughs> size. You know, we've got, to, we've got to get the best pair that you can. Yeah. Tell me about the difference between high-quality leather and, and lower-quality leather. 
Yeah, well, I mean, um, the first company I worked for, I mentioned this company making gloving leather. They, the guy who ran that company said, there's no such thing as bad leather. It's all good leather, mm. but it's just different markets. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, to step away from that idea, obviously, the way that animals are raised, um, some of the insect damage or damage that can come from scraping against certain things, it's all down to animal husbandry, really. Uh, we call them farm faults, and there's a whole range of them. Um, but as I mentioned, the quality of New Zealand hides is of a very high caliber. Generally, the first grade is most of the selection, so that's a really good thing. And the lower selection will be corrected. They'll remove the surface of the leather. We call it the grain. And then they'll be converted for things like um, upholstery or yeah, new book maybe, um, you know, where, where the surface of the leather has been abraded away first um, and you know, that's a, there's a market for all different types of leather. Okay. Um, Nell says he's a carpenter and he's tried synthetic aprons, but nothing is as good as leather. That's a good uh, good vote of confidence. Don and Topol says motorcycle clothing is a big user of leather. Any tips on leather jacket maintenance? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I would just say, uh, obviously, you want to keep it rainproof. Uh, it's raining quite hard here in Palmerston North right now. Um, yeah, t- trying to keep it supple and keep it rainproof. So make sure you protect it with a good coating. Um, use a waterproof uh, coatings, specialized coatings you can get for leather. That would be the best thing. Keep it out of the sun so it doesn't fade too much. Uh, keep it out of the heat so you know it doesn't dry out too much. Um, yeah, leather jackets are a very specialist area, of course, and um, yeah, it'd be great if you could keep riding his leather jacket as long as possible. They're they're not cheap, of course, um, but yeah, there's uh, there's actually a Manxman not too far from here used to make all the fancy motorcycle leathers for the top racers, and yeah. he told me he bought all his leather from Japan. He didn't buy it from New Zealand, but. Uh, so maybe in Japan they've got even better hides than hmm. here. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's hard to keep uh, leather jackets perfect. But, yeah, just make sure you keep um, keep, uh, keep them conditioned, keep them well-conditioned, so keep them nice and soft. That would be a key. By applying applying waxes we were talking about earlier. Yeah, kind of the same thing. But they're usually very specialised waxes for jackets uh, that are waterproof as well. Jeff Holmes is my guest. Uh, he's from the Leather and Shoe Research Association of New Zealand. If you have any questions about leather, uh, someone says, what can I do about my uh, two New Zealand-made leather couches that have gone mouldy in storage? Oh, yeah. Well, the leather is protected against mould, so if it gets damp, it can... It can form mold, but it's not very common. Um, it's it, the best thing. Yeah, I've, I've been asked this question before, and you've got to be careful about disclaimers and such like around what yeah. you do. For me personally, I would get a damp cloth in something like Dettol, Savlon, that type of thing, and just wipe it down with that, and that should protect it from. But obviously, it's it's become a bit moldy because it's been kept probably in slightly damp conditions, and if it's been covered with plastic, that may not have helped the situation. Um, so just be very, very careful, though, because molds can be quite dangerous. Um, some of the spores from mold can be, um, yeah, uh, very bad for your health. Uh, so do if you do do it, make sure you're wearing a mask and um, just wipe it down with a soft cloth with some dilute Savlon or Dettol, whatever you've got available. That should help. Thank you. 
Uh, Liz says, other than a touch test, is there any way of distinguishing which leathers are top grain and which are corrected grain? Furniture sellers often have no idea, and I think personally think corrected grain is not much better than vinyl or bicast. There's not enough regulation on this, reckons Liz. Okay, that's an interesting point. Uh, we have a specialist here who determines, we call it, is it leather? And question mark, and that's the test that we carry out. And we need a, we need to cut it and look under a microscope to be 100% certain. There is a special rules around what can be described as leather and what cannot be described as leather. So if you find these products, you could always that you don't think are real and poorly described, you can always go to the Commerce Commission, get some uh, support there on on what it is and what it isn't. But um, yeah, um, I'm, I'm not sure. Corrected grain leathers can be very resilient and give good performance, but um, it is a, t- uh, a kind of indicator that perhaps it's not the highest quality material. Yeah, but Liz wants to know, can you tell when you look at uh, leather, no. whether it's top grain or corrected grain? No, it's very hard. As I say, you have to use a microscope. That's yeah. the only way we can do it okay. effectively. If you if you do look at something, if I look at something and think that's beautiful leather and then it turns out to be plastic, I feel a bit embarrassed. It has happened, um, even with all my time. And the only experience I can give for uh, sort of saying against imitation versus real leather is real leather feels a bit cold to the touch. Imitation leather tends to feel a little bit warmer mm. to the touch. So that's a very poor acid test but um, is a start point but we can determine if anything um, comes in and the reassurance is that we do that as part of our service for many of the suppliers in New Zealand so uh, they're checking their products all the time because originally maybe some of the product coming into New Zealand was poorly described and labelled but since we've been testing with these companies we've managed to get a very good standard Um, uh, so you can trust the product if it's described as being leather um, in most, most, most cases. One uh, correspondent who will remain anonymous wants to know <laughs> why the leather jacket won't stop squeaking. Yeah, leather squeak. Um, it's a big problem in cars in the old days too. Um, yeah, squeaky leathers. It's because the coating on the leather itself is probably... Um, got a little bit of polyurethane or something in there that's maybe causing the mm. leather to squeak. Um, you could try applying something on the surface to make it softer and more, uh, you know, a little bit conditioned to make it a little bit less likely to squeak. But yeah, I guess it's embarrassing if you're walking around in a jacket and squeaking all the way around. Um, <laughs> it, it has been known problem, but I thought they generally solved it and you know, as it was first arrived in cars, that was where it first was a big issue. Anna has suede tassels on a top that have curled up and gone hard. What would you do to soften them so they fall nicely again? Yeah, well, um, yeah, it's this this idea of conditioning again, isn't it? But with them being suede tassels, you have to be a bit careful. Um, Yeah, it would be quite hard to do that. Um, You could try, yeah, just softening them with a bit of water and then maybe letting them lay down flat with something to press them to make them flat again. Um, that could help. Um, I'm hesitant to say put an iron on it because that would possibly cause them to shrink mm. uh, when they're wet, but that, that might help if they're a little bit... But, yeah, I'm wondering why they went hard. That's interesting. What's but, the difference between suede and leather? Suede, suede is basically uh, the lower, yeah, you have to see a cross-section of leather on the top. We have this grain layer that one of your 
listeners mentioned, and below that is called the corium, and the corium is the thicker part of the hide that gives it all its strength. Mm. And if you cut the leather in two, split it from the top split, which is the grain split, the more expensive one. The bottom split is the suede, and that's where the suede comes from. Um, Many years ago, they didn't have a market for it, but now most every pair of shoes you find will have suede on them. If they're you know if using leather, suede's very common. Um, so it's strong, but maybe it doesn't have that appearance of leather that people look for. Speaking of the appearance of leather, when we're talking about how to identify Hamish is on text, he says he uses a lighter to see the leather. You heard of that before? Using a cigarette lighter? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we just had a guy just retired, forty six plus years. He retired last week. That's his ultimate test. Uh, always to leather. Set fire to it. Love that. Uh, but he sets fire to a lot of things. He set fire. We do a lot of uh, fireman's clothing here and stuff as well. <laughs> so hang on. For everything. So so, what is the test exactly on the leather? Um, on the leather, I assumed he was just edge, using edge a flame test. Yeah, so, go on. Sorry, interrupt uh, you. It's like a little flame on a Bunsen burner, yeah. and you put the edge of the leather on it, and you have to hold it for ten seconds and take it away, and there should be no flame. It should it can char, but there should be no flame. And if it's um, plastic materials, then generally they would flame. So, so you'd want to get the permission to... permission of your sales assistant before you tried that in the furniture showroom. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it in the shop, um, but <laughs> it, it's uh, it's an interesting test. It's one that should be carried out by the test groups like ourselves before being sold. Okay, so. thank you. Uh, Liz says, really interesting chat on leather, thanks. Can you get regular surface dirt off a handbag with soap and water? Yes, you can, but be very careful of which soap you use um, because the soap could remove those fats, those oils that we're talking about, which make the leather then become very hard once it's dried again. So, um, you know, you can't... If it's bad, then you've got to use something, but perhaps a very mild soap... Possibly a soap that you'd use on wool or something like that, and diluted. Just try a little bit and see if it helps with a nice soft cloth. Um, but be careful because it might dry the leather out, and that wouldn't be nice. Jeff, did you make something for the coronation? No, but there's a very interesting story about that because the king, uh, King Charles, used his grandfather's glove. Um, so it was a glove that was from the coronation in the 1930s, and he reused it. Um, each each cor- um, monarch, when they take the in the coronation, when they take the crown, they actually are wearing a glove on their right hand. And this glove had been made for his father, a uh, grandfather. Sorry, get it right, King George VI. And he um, he had decided to have it refurbished so he could use it. So it was just cleaned up, and all the stitching was sorted and that was made by a company called Dents in the UK and they were supplied by the company I worked for, that very first company that I worked oh. for and that was in the 1930s so yeah, that's a they've got really good value out of that glove for sure And so if he wanted to he could use them for, for golf as well <laughs> It looked a bit heavy, it was like it a might be, yeah, but, might be. Uh, maybe, yeah. maybe if he's on the barbecue it might be quite good It looked like it was going to be a bit of a tight squeeze too um, <laughs> hey, I've really enjoyed it, Jeff. Thank you so much. No worries, Jesse. It's always a pleasure. Jeff Holmes, leather man from the New Zealand Leather and Shoe Research Association. He's been our Monday expert. Thank you for all your questions on 2101.